This is the Getsy Health Podcast with Janique and Tristan Roney. Hey guys, welcome to the Getsy Health Podcast where we talk about controversial issues and try to help you guys sit with really uncomfortable topics. And Specifically in the area of health. Exactly. Right? We want to help people be healthy by talking about things that people aren't talking about, things mm-hmm. that really matter when it comes to living a better life, feeling better, and reaching your health goals. Yes. Um, to all you listeners, thank you for constantly downloading, for your guys' reviews and your comments and uh, all your positive feedback. We really appreciate you all. Um, we have a special guest with us today. Um, Amanda, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. <laughs> um, I'm so nervous. Sorry. <laughs> you should have been. Totally okay. Um, hi, I'm Amanda. And I guess I'm here today to talk about my history with mental illness and then postpartum depression and postpartum depression mm-hmm. and um, how I've healed since then thanks yeah. to eating better. So how Amanda and I met was um, when I went to burn boot camp, she was working in the child watch. And I remember, I think it was like the very first time we met. How did we meet? I actually wanted to talk about this on the podcast because okay. I thought it was so funny. I remember, this is going to sound really weird, but I remember that you smelled like oils or something. Oh, yeah. I, like <laughs> essential oils. Yes. The good kind, right? Yes. And I could I could kind of tell you were more of a natural mama. Mm-hmm. Like you just or have that lifestyle. I had a crunchy smell. <laughs> well, you, like I just, I've, I, I'm so familiar with that smell and mm-hmm. I just... And it makes me think that you have that lifestyle and like mm-hmm. that mindset. And I was just very fascinated by it because I was always just interested, but never really knew a lot of more natural like way of living. Yeah. And so that was what made me want to talk to you. Interesting. And then, and I just like slowly found out about what you do. You told me you ran a clinic. And then you found me on Instagram, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then every time I saw you, I would like bombard you with questions <laughs> because I was like, what do I do with this? And what should I do about this? And then mm-hmm. you just kept on encouraging me to go and get a test done. I think that's what you told me specifically to do is mm-hmm. come and get an analysis done. The hair analysis, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You kept on encouraging me to do that. And I finally did it a couple months later. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of where where everything started. Everything started. And I, what I remember from you, and it was a very raw moment. Um, you, I think it was like the second time we met and you're like, I followed you on Instagram. I, I'm reading some of your stories. And you shared with me like your entire story of how you suffer with depression and anxiety and um, how it has completely affected your marriage and how your marriage was falling apart. And like, you just unloaded, you know what I mean? And I remember being like, oh my gosh, like this is so painful. Not not for me, but I'm like, I could feel your pain. And I was like, if there's anything I can say, and a lot of times people ask me for suggestions, but I'll be honest, you guys, hardly anyone follows through. No one follows through with my recommendations. And so I'll have like complete strangers come up to me asking for advice on things and I'll give them advice and then nothing. But the amazing thing about Amanda that you guys need to know is she got to work. She did. She like, she took my advice Every single time. Mm-hmm. And she started implementing and practicing and practicing. And then when she needed tweaking, she would come to me and ask more questions. And it was just so amazing. I have goosebumps right now because um, just seeing her try to break the system she was stuck in. It was beautiful to watch. Yeah, I was in such a bad spot and I just needed to get out mm-hmm. so badly. Yeah. And, and 
And I felt that. And, and when I just saw her getting to work, I was like, I will give you as much information as you need. I will do whatever, because when people show up, I'm more than happy to show up over and over and over again. Um, and, and it's just so hard. It's just so hard creating these lifestyle changes because you're, you're reconstructing your baseline. And that is a mourning process and it's uncomfortable, but you were ready to be uncomfortable. Like you were ready to change because you were so uncomfortable as it was. And I wasn't getting answers, the answers that I desperately needed from anywhere else. Mm -hmm. I was going to doctors and being prescribed all sorts of different medications. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't what I wanted. I didn't want to just like sedate myself on antidepressants and anti-anxiety drugs. I was, I was so tired of, of those side effects and that just fatigue and mental fog. I had, I just, I had so much mental fog. I couldn't focus. Mm Mm-hmm. I was just exhausted emotionally, physically. So start from the beginning. When did you start? How old were you? When did you start getting symptoms? What was happening in your life? Um, Well, I don't know if it was all just from my brain, like Mm -hmm. genetically, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Because you said your mom has bipolar and depression and anxiety as well, right? Yes. Um, I know there's a history of some health problems in my family, but Mm -hmm. I have also been through some intense trauma. Mm -hmm. And that was growing up in in Texas. And then I moved to Utah when I was 19 years old. Actually, my 19th birthday is when I came here. With Um, your family or by yourself? No, by myself. So (laughs) I actually was planning to come and visit my sister Mm -hmm. and only stay for like a week or two. Mm -hmm. And then after I got here, decided to stay. That's awesome. And it was, it was really scary, but my sister really encouraged me that I could do it Mm -hmm. and, um, help give me the support that I needed. So it it was like a big, scary decision at the time. Sure. The biggest decision I had made up in like thus up to that point in my life. Yeah. Um, and I got into school and started working, um, I started like going on dates and making friends just um, because I was in, I don't tell a lot of people about this, but I was in an abusive relationship in Texas. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I came out and like basically ran away and came to Utah. And so I started doing the things that I thought were going to give me healing. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought I was getting better. Yeah. Did you Um, have depression at this time too? Like, were you suffering Already? What were your symptoms? I think I was, but I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that post-traumatic stress disorder mm. was even a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that was the key here. Yeah. That I didn't know I had it and I mm-hmm. needed to heal from it. So I thought, you know, if I'm like socializing with people and I kind of talked about it too a little bit with friends and, you know, was making positive steps in my life and going to church and you know, working and studying mm-hmm. that I was distracting would, yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I totally thought that I was okay. Yeah. And then I met my husband. So I came in June. I met him the following January okay. that next year. Mm-hmm. And then we started just talking. We met at school. Mm-hmm. And so we'd see each other at school and we were in the same ward and lived in the same apartment complex. So we saw each other quite a bit mm-hmm. and I moved. So I was living in Salt Lake at the time and then moved back to Provo for the summer because I had two contracts at the time that I was in Salt Lake. Yeah. Anyways, when I moved back to Salt Lake to continue once my contract in Provo was over, moved back and for the fall semester to Salt Lake. And then that's when we started dating. 
Mm-hmm. And then we got to know each other more. He knew about my history. Yeah. And he was okay. Were you symptomatic at this time? Were you starting to get triggered? I was starting to get triggered, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we would just have, like, any argument. I feel like I was so much more of, like, a an emotional, like, feisty person. Just very reactive. Rea- yeah, mm-hmm. very reactive. Um, like, you'd go from zero to 100 in a split second. Yes, I mm-hmm. was very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um but it wasn't, I mean, that was when we were dating. So it wasn't like full on yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then we got married a year from the day we had our first date. So mm-hmm. the anniversary of our first date. Mm-hmm. And we were fine at the, you know, the first couple months of our marriage. Um, and I felt like, you know, newlyweds, as we're getting to know each other, it's normal to have some arguments here and there. Yeah. And I... I didn't know that it was not normal to be so like obsessive over everything that he did. So like paranoid, Mm -hmm. um, so depressed too. Like I would have so many mood swings. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just so emotional and so reactive and I would get so angry too. I would have panic attacks. I would just lie on the floor and cry. How old were you at this time? Um, 20. Three. 23. Yeah, okay. 22, 23. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got pregnant. Yeah, so we we were married for a year and a half. and Oh, uh, and right before you got pregnant, right, you went on medication. Yeah. You finally got diagnosed. So I remember I, I lost a job working with kids with special needs mm-hmm. that I loved. I adored those children. They had my heart. Like, I absolutely loved working with them. And that same day I went home mm-hmm. and I just wanted to lie in the dark on my bed and bawled my eyes out. Like I did not want to go anywhere or do anything. Yeah. Um, and I, that was one of the like biggest moments or highlights right before I got on medication mm-hmm. that I kind of, it kind of made me realize, made me feel like I needed to get on medication. Yeah. That was your aha moment mm-hmm. of like, this shouldn't be hitting one me as hard as it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That okay. I was like, I'm not okay. Like, mm-hmm. I felt physically in pain yeah. when I'd have those moments. Like, mm-hmm. it just hurt inside. Yeah. Um, and so you went on medication, right? Mm-hmm. But so then you got pregnant. I, and I had, we had been to a little bit of marriage therapy. I had gone to my own therapy. Um, and I realized too, I eventually come to a realization that I was facing post-traumatic stress disorder that I hadn't fully healed from it. And so that's why my marriage was so rough. And then once I realized that too, like I'm having all these problems because I have PTSD and I was not raised in the like way that I wanted to be in order to know how to handle these kind of conflicts. Like I wanted to do a lot better and I wasn't do, you know, I, I wasn't feeling like I wanted to. I wasn't handling things the best way that I should have, mm-hmm. that I wish I did. Yeah. Um, and so... So did they say these were all typical signs of like like depression, anxiety, that kind yeah. of stuff? Okay. I remember like filling out the survey in the um, therapist's office mm-hmm. that they ask you, you know, before you go in, your little intakes questionnaire. Yeah. Um, and just answering a lot of questions on like the heavier end if I have fatigue and days where I'm sad and Mm -hmm. feel like honestly even suicidal at times Mm -hmm. um, and just lethargic, 
Yeah. There's so many, so many negative things. I was, I was not okay. Yeah. I was in a really bad place in my life. Yeah. So then I got on medication around November, um, 2015. Okay. And, um, I started on like Lexapro mm-hmm. and it made me feel a lot better. Like mentally I felt happier. Mm-hmm. And so my happiness levels were increased. Yeah. But also my levels of depression felt a little bit deeper too. Gotcha. So it it made me feel happier, but it also, I don't know yeah. how to describe that, but okay. it intensified my feelings of sadness. Yeah. And then a couple months later, I found out that I was pregnant with Nicholas, my son. Mm-hmm. And then you went off, right? Who's three now. And I went to the doctor and I told them, I don't, I don't want to be pregnant and be taking medication. What made you say that? Did they bring that up to you or did you bring that up to them? I don't really remember. I mm-hmm. think I researched a little bit and okay. it just kind Good of, you. yeah, it made me nervous. And I know there's some medications that are safer to take during pregnancy, right? but I just didn't want to risk it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and so you went off of that. How did you feel? I weaned off and I, well, because I started working. So I told you I worked full time at a call center up until the day before my son was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was constantly interacting with people and I was so busy that I wasn't, I wasn't like very depressed, but I did still have a lot of hormonal Mm -hmm. mood swings and rage too. Like I think my husband and I were doing okay. We were a little bit better, but I feel like when we'd fight, it was a little bit worse. Mm -hmm. So we weren't fighting as often. This was after you went off the Lexapro? Mm -hmm. Okay. And when I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I wasn't as like depressed. Mm-hmm. I was pretty happy. I was constantly interacting with people and I'm such a people person that, yeah. you know, I was interacting with coworkers and making friends and yeah. going to other friends like showers and parties and whatever, sure. you know. So that kept me busy. Um, but then after he was born, so he was born October 2nd, 2016. And my birth was very traumatic for me. I was not very educated about labor. Mm-hmm. I no one is, unless they have to like seek out like a, like a class or something through a midwife or, you know, anything like that. Yes. And I very blindly trusted my doctors, mm-hmm. very blindly. And so I went to Valley OBGYN. I had an OB and the day that Nicholas is born. So actually I, I showed signs of, um, I had what they called echogenic bowel during my pregnancy mm-hmm. and they were just noticing a few things that looked a little bit off with, you know, the fetus and said mm-hmm. that there's a chance he'll have heart problems when he's born wow. or Down syndrome or cystic fibrosis oh. and just, and I researched like crazy and that, that sent you down a really yeah. dark rabbit hole. It terrified me. I remember going to work, crying to some coworkers and telling them, what I found out mm-hmm. at that ultrasound and that appointment. And, you know, I was so scared, but, um, and did that all resolve itself? It went away. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had me do NSTs too, because his heart rate seemed a little bit, um, I think a little too low, mm-hmm. not too high. I think it was a little too low. So mm-hmm. anyways, my water broke, um, on the day he was born that morning. And then I went into the hospital and I got the epidural. I feel like I got the epidural a little too soon. And mm-hmm. his heart rate was not where it should have been. Yeah. And then they gave me Pitocin 
mm-hmm. because I my contractions had slowed down. Actually, yeah. yes, it was it was the contractions were slowing down first, so they gave me pitocin to speed things up and to see if you know I could have enough contractions to push him out. Yeah, and that's when his heart rate started dropping dangerously low. Yeah, um, so they told me I needed to have a C section to get him out safely, and then he was in the NICU for three weeks for pneumothorax. Um, and I'm not sure if it was like he got that because of all the drugs I had and the C-section, but overall just, it all really hit me hard after I came home from the hospital and after he was born, I just felt like I had failed as a mom. Like my body had failed me. I had failed because my birth did not go the way I wanted to. It was, was it traumatic? Could you, would you say that that was just trauma? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I remember um, reaching out to a group I'm in on Facebook of other ladies, and they suggested I watch the documentary called The Business of Being Born. Yes. Oh, that's a great one. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think everyone needs to watch it before they have a baby. And Mm -hmm. I wish I had. It would have taught me a lot, but I'm glad I at least got to watch it eventually. And so that really like opened my eyes to see how broken the medical system is, Mm -hmm. how money hungry doctors are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I still have kind of always trusted doctors because that's all I knew Yeah, at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really didn't have that much trust in alternative medicine right. because I didn't really know about it. Totally. Well, we're totally groomed to have 100% faith in them. We're not taught that we can question them. We can bring up other options. Like we don't have to do what they say. You know, we can challenge them on their point of views and, and work together versus you tell me what to do and I'll just do it. Right. Yes. So and, and on that note, we actually just a couple of days ago, we're reading about how there are a lot of women who have experienced basically abuse during mm-hmm. their own childbirth. Do you remember that? You read me that article, didn't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, wow. so it's becoming more and more prevalent for women to finally speak out and say, not only did I have a bad experience, but I was basically abused by the doctors who, mm-hmm. who did terrible things without any in, consent. Right. They enforced their will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like so many women, I mean, we shared our story about how we were in the hospital and mm-hmm. that was having a nurse advocate for me and myself advocate. And, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So many women have no idea that they can push back. They have no idea that they can question. They have no idea that they have more power than they realize. Yeah. And then you go from that so experience to suddenly you've got a brand new baby to take care of, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. you're dealing with the recovery process and yeah. you're having all of the nutrients sucked out of your body mm-hmm. in many cases if you're breastfeeding. So mm-hmm. it's it's a perfect storm. It, it is. really is. And then oh you're, goodness, and then yes. you're not sleeping mm-hmm. and then you're worried sick for your child. Like just right before you came, Amanda, I was just scrolling through Facebook and there's this co-sleeping group that I'm a part of and... Um, and I get triggered by the posts. I literally get triggered because I'm reading their stories on how they're so stressed and how they can't sleep and all these worries that they have. And I'm like, I can't go back there. Like I can't because being a mom to a newborn baby is so hard. And I want you to launch into like what you were experiencing at this time because didn't Nicholas have like a tongue tie or a lip tie and then he wasn't breastfeeding. And then you're like, what am I doing wrong? And 
Yeah, it was so unfortunate that he spent three weeks in the NICU and I kind of breastfed him there with the help of the nurses and lactation mm-hmm. consultant. But he came home and he wasn't breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. I did not know anything about tongue reluptase at all. Yeah. And it's genetic and my husband has both. So once I connected all that and found out um, and researched, it made sense. Right. But he wasn't breastfeeding. Every time I would try to latch him, he would cry. And I would cry because I, again, felt like I was failing. I was so emotional and so so depressed. So I had postpartum depression, anxiety, and kind of self-diagnosed myself with postpartum rage. Mm -hmm. And I went to therapy. But the therapist that I saw, I had to bring Nicholas with me to therapy. And she would just fawn over Nicholas and how precious he was and that was nice but you're, you're like not really you're like i am drowning right now like please like somebody give me a tank of air because yes. i can't breathe yes and oh, what, man. What was this therapist was it a doctor or no just like okay. a, a psychologist a psycho- so, yeah okay. psychologist okay and not even a psychiatrist or anything no okay. but i went to so i went to my OBGYN's office mm-hmm. and i got prescribe Prozac because I told them I didn't want any medication and antidepressant that made me drowsy. Mm -hmm. So they gave that to me. And when you start Prozac, you typically need to take it once every other day to start off because it's a lot heavier than other antidepressants. Mm -hmm. And I only, I remember it only took it for about a week. So I hadn't taken it more than four or five times, Mm -hmm. but it just like sped up and really intensified my anxiety. Yeah. Um, I, I was having intrusive thoughts already. Mm -hmm. So I would have really like scary negative thoughts. that would just pop in my brain. And you couldn't, couldn't couldn't get them out. Right. They would just come over and over and over again. It was awful. Um, and that made it a lot worse. Um, I was having those so much more and that I was pumping. I was, I pumped for Nicholas for six months and, Mm -hmm. you know, did what I could to give him breast milk, even if he wasn't breastfeeding. Yeah. And it passed through my milk. So Prozac is one that oh, heavily no. passes through the milk. Yeah. And he was really colicky from that. Did, so it made him worse. Did the doctors tell you that when they prescribed it? Are you serious? No. And, and you were prescribed. What? It was an OBGYN that prescribed. And how did you find out that it passes through? Researched. So I you looked it up research. yourself. Oh and, my gosh. So this is like what I said from the beginning. The one thing I really admire about Amanda is how much she researches. Like you guys... You need to get on the internet and start reading, reading, learning from other moms like you, like just dig in. Wow. So you found that out. You're doing your doctor's job now. <laughs> Unbelievable. Much. Unbelievable. And you know, you get to the doctor. This is a thing too. You get to your doctor's office and you tell them you have postpartum depression and they're like, bam, let's give you medication. Mm-hmm, you know, here's mm-hmm. a drug for you. Oh, if these are your symptoms, then... Yep. This one probably fix will fit in best mm-hmm. and solve your issues, you know. Yep. Um, and so then I I went back after a week or two and I said I can't I can't take this medication anymore. Mm-hmm. It is not doing well for me. So then they prescribed another one, Zoloft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did that go? Absolutely terrible. Oh. So it calmed me down. So Zoloft yeah. is a lot more sedating. It's a more sedative medication. Wow. And it made my anxiety calm down a lot more. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I was doing better. Mm -hmm. I really thought I was feeling better because I wasn't having so many panic attacks. And I guess it was good at the beginning. I kind of needed that. You know, I needed to You needed a break. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Needed to, you know, have my brain relax a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I was doing okay for the first few months. 
but I was on it for way too long. I don't remember exactly how long, but it was about a year. Yeah. And I noticed I started feeling really drowsy and fatigued and I would even be driving and like not fully consciously there. Did they Mm. tell you this? No, they didn't tell you side effects. No, no one, no one really talked about how Zoloft, like they just think that it's, it's a go-to, um, antidepressant medication for postpartum depression. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. So it's usually the one they, they prescribe first and that's the one they were suggesting. And so that's why I was like, no, I don't want something that's going to make me drowsy. I want something that will make me a little, you know, have a little more energy and more functional. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious. uh, Did they give you any kind of nutritional guidance when you went into them for this postpartum issue? Not one bit. So I'm going to, I'm going to do it. They did talk about my vitamins levels, they did, my hormone they, levels. They did not. No, nothing. They didn't even ask about your hormones. No, I, I would push to get them checked. And I remember they would only check like one or two. Wow. So, so it so kind of sounds guessing. like. They're guessing. I was pretty much told, I, I don't know if it was like from postpartum period, the postpartum period or shortly after, mm-hmm. or even before I was pregnant. But I remember going a few times and trying to get my blood checked Yeah, and was told that I'm like deficient in. Maybe iron. Mm, that's Maybe iron. <laughs> Maybe. So, we don't know. And I took an iron supplement. <laughs> this, this drives me absolutely nuts because we always talk about this in terms of the doctors have the research behind them, right? Everything that they do is research-based because it has to be because the insurance won't pay for it if it's not evidence-based. Mm-hmm. But when you actually look into the research, mm-hmm. what you find is that there are several nutrient deficiencies that can contribute to postpartum depression in particular. Yep. And they're very well known if you actually look at the research, yeah. yet they're virtually unknown to the people whose responsibility is yeah. to take care of the health of new mothers and their babies. Totally. Right? We know that polyunsaturated fats like omega-3 are wonderful yes. for that. We know that B vitamins, all of the, the vitamin B complex Which is so important for mental well-being, we especially know. in new mothers. Magnesium is huge. Magnesium is another big one. Mm-hmm. Vitamin D is a huge one. Yep. And trace minerals. Yes. Now, all of these things are things that are very common deficiencies in the population in general. Oh. But for a woman who's just gone through the process of literally creating, creating. a human mm-hmm. being in her body and then had to go through the trauma of childbirth, even if you had a beautiful easy childbirth, right? Mm -hmm. It's traumatic for your body. And there's a recovery process of that. And then you're producing milk in most cases and you're, Mm -hmm. you're feeding that milk. So your body is just sucking every possible nutrient it can into this milk and trying to heal at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so of course you're going to have these deficiencies yet nothing is done in the conventional medical system to address that. We would rather throw some foreign chemical into your brain and see what happens. Yeah. Right. My favorite is um, you're pregnant. Oh, you can eat whatever you want. That drives me nuts. You're eating for two. You're eating for two. And so what do you live off of? You live off of uh, ice cream and oh candy gosh. bars. And you know what I mean? Because you like so much sugar during my pregnancy because so, I was craving yes. it and I thought it was okay. But what was cool, I think, was that I craved a lot of fruits and vegetables. So That's I, great. I, although I doused it in, I also had a huge craving for, um, there's this like chili powder that, I've only found mm. in Texas, yeah. but it's like full of sugar and salt. Oh, oh no. Is so it the one they put on fruit? Yeah. It's yeah. like tahini, but it's called uh-huh. trechas. Oh, okay. Um, but I remember I would, I like. Put that on everything. I had to have 
it on watermelon, on apples, on cucumbers, wow. on pineapples. Yeah. So I I was eating the fruits and vegetables, but mm-hmm. I was also getting lots of sugar and salt with that. Yeah. So so how wonderful that your cravings <laughs> kind of guided you in a good direction. Yeah, right? I guess. But, but there I was had lots of bread, lots of sugar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and no guidance from mm-hmm. the medical system telling Not you, hey, let's lean more towards these calories yeah. and away from these other ones. I wish so badly that pregnant moms and postpartum moms were given a nutrition protocol, mm-hmm. at least guidance, you know? Some kind of guidance, yeah. At least had to have the doctor say, by the way, because you're creating a human being and your body's, mm-hmm. you know, pulling all these nutrients out of your own body to provide for your, your growing baby. And yeah. then your breastfeeding baby yeah. that your body's going to need extra help right. and that you can't just cover it up with depression and anxiety pills or mm-hmm. antidepressant and anxiety medication. And you can't cover it up with ice cream and sugar. Yeah. You know, cause we all medicate with sugar. We, we, we get these temporary highs because sugar is a drug. And, and that so was my life. Mm-hmm. That's what I knew. Then yeah. that's what I did. And I thought I was doing fine. Yeah. I, when I was pregnant with Tennyson, I ate horribly, but I took a really good prenatal, but that's besides the point. Um, so my son Tennyson, he's five and he has some sensory issues. You know, I would say he's very, very mild on the sensory spectrum. But my, my thought process is I think that started because I ate so much sugar. And so it created this like misfiring as his brain was developing. Because remember when we had the ultrasounds and he had suspicious stuff on his ultrasounds? They, the, they thought there might be neural tube defects, mm-hmm, right? Where, yeah. where the, the central, basically your spine and your, your neural pathways all the way from no, your brain down. It, no, it was, um, it was hydroencephaly. Do you oh, well, that, that, that was, was the there different was the hydroencephaly. Thing. And yeah. then there was anyway, like, there were, there were some things. And, um, so, and, and looking back, I'm like, I wonder if that was because of my excessive amount of sugar intake, because sugar is extremely stimulating on the brain. Right. And so, um, what were you saying? Was it really that bad? Your, what? Your diet? So I, you know, after having Tennyson and getting Graves disease, like, like everyone out there, like, I was as sugar addicted as they come. Like I, I know even with my mom raising me, I would, I would sneak candy all the time. Chocolate was my thing. And I grew up in South Africa too, where we actually had like good Cadbury's and good Nestle and, you know, good European chocolate. And so I would eat chocolate every single day. I loved, love, love, love sugar. And so with Tennyson, I remember us going out for dessert all the time. Like all it because I'm eating for two, right? You know, like I'm pregnant, I can eat whatever I want. So I totally milked that. So, anyways, fast forward, he gets this hydroencephaly and like some other things that showed up, and I, it terrified me. And then I I birth him, and he's he's extremely colicky. And so I I hired some occupational therapists to help me because there were some neurological things that I picked up in him, and I was lucky to be able to pick it up early because that's my training. I'm a neurostructural massage therapist, so I understand the nervous system, you know. And so when I started seeing these imbalances in his nervous system, and I started seeing this this uh, like he was super one side dominant over the other, and I was like, that's not normal. Like you're not firing properly. Like your neurons are not firing properly. And so anyway, guys, guys, long story short, um, he's still very uh, sensory sensitive, but it it's exacerbated 10 times when he eats more sugar, 
wow. when he eats. And and the the men in my family, genetically speaking, like they all have like depression issues. They're all very sensitive to food. They're all yes. And so um so I don't know if it was like genetic and it was like nature versus nurture, but um a, a lot of times I will think, man, did I exacerbate this in Tennyson? Like maybe if I ate better and ate less sugar, maybe he wouldn't have had the colic and he wouldn't have had these neurological things and he wouldn't be so sensory sensitive. But there is hope because it's very well managed in our family, like super well managed. And we know as soon as he eats something from someone's house, we can see it. We see it within the next few hours and we're like, what did you eat? You know, and, and we'll say, okay, you were at Sunset's house. You're not in trouble. I just need to know what you ate. You know, and then we'll spend the next two days like purging him, you know what I mean? And just like trying to feed him nutritious food so that his his nervous system calms down a little bit. But honestly, like if you meet him, you wouldn't even notice. You would have no idea. Anyways, I I totally hijacked this conversation. Sorry, Amanda. Let's go back to you. So So, so. so you're you're on Zoloft at this point and it's working fairly well. Things are feeling kind of stable. At the beginning, so there were a few months where my postpartum depression leveled out. Um, I was feeling a lot calmer, um, but then I noticed that I was not mentally aware a lot of the time. Yeah, um, It really was sedating me. And I would even, I'd remember like getting into arguments with my husband and saying things that I wouldn't have normally said. Yeah, even before. Yeah. It was just on the Zoloft. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. It was like, why am I so feisty and just so like I just I honestly was not fully there in my head which was so sad um after about a year I went and got on another medication that I'm still on but I am slowly weaning off that's um, awesome to hopefully be off soon because I know I'm able to do well enough without medication right now and and which one is that I'm curious I'm on citalopram citalopram okay all right and part of this journey too I want to bring up that I went to a clinic called Bristol Health and they do um, testing to see what, I don't know what the specific name of it, but to see which medications your body will metabolize the best. Mm. And they prescribed me things like Lamotrigine mm-hmm. um, and just some heavy antipsychotics. I think one for OCD. Wow. And I didn't even have OCD, but they just gave me like three or four different meds. Oh my gosh. That were very heavy that I would have never normally taken just because they thought that my mental health was so bad that I needed to just drug myself. So it, it sounds like what they did was maybe some kind of genetic testing. And based on what your genes were showing as sort of, this is the baseline, they said, okay, we have this baseline. So we need to address this with all these different drugs, right? Did they take into account like your symptoms too? Or they were just looking at this test? No, they, they asked about my symptoms. Oh, okay. But the only solution they gave me was to take these heavy drugs, drugs. nothing else. And Um, so you took them? Yeah. And they were psychiatrists, not doctors. Okay. So just to let everyone know, psychiatrists are doctors, but what you mean is like a GP or something. Yeah. Yeah. So these guys are the specialists. They're supposed to be the best of the best. When it comes to mental health. Yep. Right. And they just drugged you up completely. Yeah. But in my mind, I I feel like psychiatrists are just the guys that prescribe you drugs, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and help with your mental illness and, you know, just do like therapy. Yeah. And drugs. Yep. Just, yep. Because also, um, every time I like would hear about depression and every time that I would 
you know, read something about or hear something about Mm -hmm. um, solving or not solving, but healing from depression was that therapy and medication go hand in hand, that you need medication and you need therapy. And no mention of nutrition. None at all. Yeah. And so my marriage was suffering. I was feeling horrible on Zoloft. Mm -hmm. Um, I was so drowsy all the time. I wasn't thinking clearly. Yeah. Um, and I was just not functioning as I should have. Like I was not fully there. So, um, I went to the doctor, I got on another medication and then I met you shortly after that. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking you so many questions, um, about how I can get off of medication because in my mind at the, like, before I knew you, I just thought my, my mentalness is so bad that I'm probably going to have to be on this forever. Oh, and you really thought that, yeah, or at oh least my gosh. for years and years. Like I never pictured myself being able to get off of medication. So at this point, you're like, my brain is just broken, and there's no hope. But I wanted, I, I, I wanted answers. I wanted to get off of medications, and I didn't want to be on them forever. Yeah. I didn't yeah. like the side effects. I didn't like what it was doing to my body, and I just wanted to feel good on my own. Yeah. And so I, I would ask you, you know, how can I feel good enough to not be on medication anymore? Mm-hmm. without the medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, after doing the genetic testing with you in March, the epigenetic The, the test, hair analysis. The yeah. hair analysis. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to interrupt real quick. Here's what's really cool about the, the hair analysis. So it sounds like, Amanda, the testing that you did before, it was looking at your, your genes, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what you're born with. But the epigenetic nutritional testing that we do looks mm-hmm. at how your genes are responding to the environment around them. And that environment is food, because and EMFs because, and toxins and, you know, bacteria and viruses and stuff. A lot of people actually don't even recommend you do genetic testing because it can show so many possibilities that it can like overwhelm you, right? And mm-hmm. make you feel like you are doomed. Yeah. You know, it kind of sounds like something similar to what happened to you. You're like, well, you should have bipolar and you should be suicidal. And here's mm-hmm. all the different diseases that you should and have you because of your genes. you can't see Amanda right now, but she's like rolling her eyes. <laughs> and, and the epigenetic <laughs> nutritional testing, while it's not going to say, hey, your bipolar gene is turned on. Yeah. What it does say is, hey, in order to kind of maximize your health and to most effectively deal with the genes you were given, here is what your body needs right now. Yeah. Right. So it is, it is a real time report, not a baseline report, which is so much more actionable in the moment. So you got the hair analysis and then what happened? And you, I remember one of the things you told me after you looked at the report, you said it looked like I had been nutrient deficient my whole life. Mm -hmm. Like I had not eaten well pretty much for my whole life. Um, And I was lacking in so many nutrients, so many things that my body needed. And this is, this is the thing I've been really passionate about this lately. So since I've educated myself and started eating better, it's all connected. Like it's all starting to connect itself in my brain Mm -hmm. that we grow up on what, what is called the standard American diet. Mm -hmm. Um, and is it the government that decides that what we should be eating? The USDA, yeah, the USDA, the drug. Yeah. No, USDA. It's the it's uh, a, the Department of Agriculture, right, actually. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's the USDA, right, that um, decides what we should be eating, um, and it's not very good no. for our bodies. And and we grow up on that, and 
and I grew up on that and mm-hmm. it depleted my body for so long. And I eventually got to a point where I realized when I'm eating sugar, like mm-hmm. I, I started eating a little bit better and I would have like dessert on a weekend. And mm-hmm. I noticed my husband and I would fight more on weekends. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. And I mm-hmm. didn't like, cause that's when we would go out more and we would have more treats and yeah. breads. And the date night, right? Yes. Go out for like Froyo or ice cream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we used to do that. Yes. <laughs> or like a restaurant that, you know, just had bread mm-hmm. and I would just get like a, a burger or pasta or something. And then that's causing this fire in your brain. Yes. And now you're getting aggressive and now you're going into that dark space and now you're getting reactive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Isn't that amazing? Oh yeah. And so because I just was so used to this, that this is all I knew. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's all that, you know, most people understand and believe. I think that's why it's so hard for others to understand that if you eat better, you can feel better. Yeah. So like, it was kind of amazing that you made that distinction of like, oh my gosh, sugar is frying my brain and now I'm being reactive and symptomatic again. And so weekends were just hell for you and your husband. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, And not just weekends, but anytime that I didn't eat well, Mm -hmm. my body was responding to it. And Mm -hmm. I had... um, I went to the doctor and got a few like ultrasounds and tests done after having Nicholas. Mm-hmm. And I'd get like, I think I had possibly ovarian cysts. Oh, yeah. And I would get flare ups yeah. on my abdomen. And I would have to like just lay in bed. Like I would be in so much pain. Oh, man. That I would just be, you know, curled up in a ball and didn't know what to do about it. And yeah. I could tell that my body was not doing okay. And I was so tired. Yeah. I was just. Oh, all the things awesome. like I was not feeling good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started after I met you too, I was like, okay, I need to make some changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need to start eating better. And so I would eat well, like a few days at a time yeah, or like get as far as I could before yeah. mm-hmm. I needed to you were practicing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was getting where I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still not perfect for sure, but no one is so much better than, like a year ago. Yeah. Oh my gosh. If you saw me like a year ago, I was not eating okay. It was and, bad. And you could feel that. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So started just making improvements and mm-hmm. then I'd eat a meal that wasn't so good for me or a snack. And then I would just get like depressed again yeah. and anxious. And so mm-hmm. it was, it was a cycle. Yeah. Um, and I feel like when, when, you know, people are on the standard American diet and eating whatever they want to eat or think is tasty, mm-hmm. their body is, you know, slowly breaking itself down and they're probably feeling this way too, but it's more gradual because, you know, maybe they're eating bread and sugar and, you know, bath processed foods, processed foods, things out of boxes all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And if you're eating that all day, every day yeah. and not giving your body the nutrients that your body should be having, yeah, you're not really noticing a big difference. So you probably don't think you need that big of a change or you keep you know going to your doctor for medication and covering up maybe if you have mental health problems you just Mm -hmm. are covering it up with medications yeah um which is what my 
mm-hmm. my life was like at that time too. You know, what's interesting that you bring that up, like we're kind of microdosing on this like food poison, you know what I mean? Um, when people actually start our program, our Gutsy Health program, they will often say, hey, I'm day two and, and I'm getting headaches. And I'm like, that's great. You're detoxing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like your yeah. body is taking such an about face, you know, where it's like 180, like- um, Well, so- there, there's a lot of stress that comes along with major life changes too, that's right? True. And mm-hmm. so there's, it's almost withdrawal oh, yeah. from the yeah. comfort foods Massive and, withdrawal. and that can cause headaches all on its own because it's you're tense, mm-hmm. right? Or you're not going through those massive insulin fluctuations, right? Of like massive insulin and then break and then massive insulin and then break. You know, every time you eat a meal, now you're eating way more fats and veggies and it's stabilizing your insulin production versus these like valleys and mountains and stuff. So, um, but you are also saying, uh, will you share with us like the amount of shame you get, after, like you, you're getting from your family for changing your lifestyle. And a lot of people experience this all the time. We get shame from people at the workplace, from our immediate family, from our extended family. Yeah. So I've gotten made fun of before a few times um, because of my lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. And I think just people believe that because people, food is tasty and they've grown up and it's been, you know, pushed at them that they can eat whatever they want and that Mm -hmm. it's fine. Yeah. They don't understand how changing your lifestyle and your eating habits Mm -hmm. can really change your whole being. Like food can be so healing. It really is. So what I'm confused by is, are they seeing these changes in you, but yet they're still making fun of your lifestyle changes? Well, this is the thing. One person in particular that um, teased me about it right after that, I I started talking about how I'm improving and the changes that I've been making Mm -hmm. Started asking me how, like, where they, where, how like, they what can are you start. Doing? Yeah, <laughs> yep. And said, "Oh man, I think I need to start eating better too." Mm-hmm. Wow, that's awesome. That's but so it's, great. I know, um, but it's scary. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was there, and I get the, the fear and the intimidation. Totally. Um, and people might think and realize that they need a change. Yeah. But they don't know where to start. Yeah. And that was me after the hair analysis too. I was like, I know I need to eat better, and you gave me a, a small little plan. Yeah. But I was so nervous and I would, <laughs> I would make the same things all the time. Cause I was yeah. like, I know Janique told me I need to eat more vegetables. So I need mm-hmm. to eat more veggies. And yeah. I would just mm-hmm. make like the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. But I got so stressed out about it because yeah. I was tired of eating the same things and mm-hmm. I didn't have enough creativity to come up with my own stuff. Yeah. And so then you came out with the most amazing food plan mm-hmm. and that has solved all my problems, you guys, if you haven't looked at Johnny's plan, I'm telling you, you need to do it because I'm not paying her to say this. <laughs> I promise. Not at all. I just am so like passionate about it because it's given me so many answers and solutions. Um, and I've talked a little bit about it before on my Instagram that, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm paying for it each month to have access to you guys and the plan and all these amazing things. Like it's, it's an investment, but it's an investment in my health. And I was just talking to my mom last night and she was telling me about all these health problems she's experiencing and how she has to pay several hundred dollars to get an Mm -hmm. ultrasound to, you know, look at some issues she has. Yeah. Um, I think with her gallbladder and I told her, you know, it is a little bit more expensive every time you go 
get groceries and to eat better. Mm-hmm. Like you, you are paying a little bit more and maybe yeah. for organic foods or just, you know, even if you're not starting off with organic. Mm-hmm. But you are saving money because you, you, what you are not paying in grocery bills, you're paying in medical bills. And, and doctors are hundreds times more expensive mm-hmm. than, than healthy food is. Plus quality of life, right? <laughs> like putting, putting a price on your mental wellness, like your mental well-being or your marriage. I mean, how many people pay hundreds of dollars, like hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month on therapy or, you know, any kind of therapy, right? So tell us, what's your marriage like now? What's your mental health like now? Like, where, where are you at? I'm sure everyone's like, oh my gosh, this is my story too. Where is she at right now? What's happening? My life is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I am not going to sit here and, and, you know, say that because I've done all this, that everything is like yeah. rainbows and happiness. And unicorns and butterflies. Yeah. <laughs> but I can tell you, I am feeling so much better. Mm-hmm. I used to seriously... You know, I told you about that experience that I was, you know, crying in my bed just for hours. Like I was in a deep, dark hole. I was feeling like that all the time. Like anything would set me off and I would just cry and I would just like close the door and in my closet and like lay on the floor. And this is, this is deep and personal, but I was suicidal too a lot of the time. Like I just, not that I'd ever really thought about it much, but I just had thoughts like, I don't want to live anymore. Like life is so hard for me and I am struggling so much and I'm so lost and I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And I was so mentally just drained and I can't even begin to tell you how much happier I am now, how much more mental clarity I have Mm -hmm. and just desire to help other people. Like I so badly wish other people would want the same things and like, would do it, you know, I yeah. think, and I, and it's, it's so much more possible than you think. Mm-hmm. And this is why too, with the, I can't say enough good things about the food plan because it's, it's so nice. Like getting rid of the mental fatigue, the yeah, decision sorry, fatigue. I don't want to use yeah. the word nice because <laughs> that's not a good enough word for it to, to express how I feel about it. <laughs> but it's just so wonderful to have a grocery list and a meal plan and you eat this and you feel better it and it works. I mm-hmm. mean, and I, I just think that everything you guys say and practice and teach makes so much sense. Yeah. I think the reason why too, that I was doing so much research when, you know, doctors would give me medications and I would ask questions there. Yeah. They were answering them, but they weren't really getting answered. I, I wasn't yeah. getting solutions to all the problems that I had yeah. and it was just being covered up with medication after medication. You weren't getting the why you weren't getting the, you, like they, they can't understand why the breakdown happened in the first place. All they can give you is a band aid. Um, so I always compare medications to switching off the check engine light on a car without having it serviced. But like, it's even worse than that because a lot of the medications and antidepressants in particular, Mm -hmm. they deplete you of certain nutrients Mm -hmm. that your body needs to feel better. Like magnesium, CoQ10, Mm -hmm. most of the B vitamins, melatonin, right? So, so melatonin is known as like the sleep hormone and people will supplement with it to help them sleep. If you're taking an antidepressant, there's a very good chance that it is 
sucking the melatonin out of your body. Not only that, and, but what about like the stress on your organs for metabolizing these? Absolutely. Yeah. Your liver and all that. So mm-hmm. while people are temporarily addressing some of the symptoms chronically, they're basically guaranteeing that they need those medications for the rest of their life, unless they are addressing it with nutrition as well, mm-hmm. right? Because you can make up for this with really good nutrition, making sure you're getting plenty of those CoQ10 sources and the magnesium and the B vitamins right. and all of that. But how many people are given that advice once again, when they're put on the medications in the first place? Probably yeah. zero yeah. or at least really close to zero. Oh, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. No, idea. no one does. Like we're not taught these things in school or on TV. What we're taught is like eat, drink, and be merry. Right? <laughs> like do whatever you want, eat whatever you want. It doesn't matter. We'll give you a medication. We'll give you a med. Yeah, we'll give you a med if if there's. And then we'll give a you a med to help you deal with the side effects of that med, and then mm-hmm. a med for the side effects of the. <laughs> right, yeah, right. It goes on and on. And can I bring up what you were talking about on your Instagram yesterday about how? You were talking about how your son came home with a don't do drugs bracelet or something like that. (laughs) And how, you know, in school we're taught don't do drugs and drugs Mm -hmm. are bad. No one ever tells us that sugar is bad. Right. Like like sugar is a drug. It's basic it's basically the most glorified drug on the face of the planet. If they gave him a lollipop with a bracelet. Right. Um, well, so he actually came home the with same a day. food gift voucher to go to oh, pizza a pizza place. Cafe. Yeah, pizza pie cafe. And then we had this massive meltdown in the car because I wouldn't take him there. And, and Because for, I wanted to make him a healthy pizza with like cauliflower crust. For people who and aren't in the know, by the so way. upset. For people who aren't in the know, pizza pie cafe is an all you can eat pizza place. And half of the pizzas there are desserts. Yep. All right. They're yep. dessert pizzas full of sugar. So he's being told, don't do drugs. And by the way, totally different subject. They don't even tell him what drugs are. They literally just say, don't do drugs. So he doesn't know what they're talking <laughs> about. Asked him, and, like, which, which drugs, sweetheart? Like what drugs are you talking about? And, and at the like, same time, know. coming home with a certificate for all you can eat drugs in the form of sugar. Okay. Seriously. Yeah. I'm like, just give me a syringe and some powdered sugar and let me just like inject that in his veins, you guys, because so, that's what you're encouraging my child to do. So sorry, that's, that's kind of a side note. But yeah. but this does bring up a really important question. We have a lot of people listening right now who are in the same place that you were in a year ago, right? And they're looking at this and hopefully feeling a lot of hope, like maybe I can do something about this. But one of the questions that is probably burning in their brains right now is, do you miss the food? Are you basically saying, I don't enjoy food anymore, but it's worth it because I get to feel better? That's a really good question. Um, honestly, <laughs> so one of my one of my weaknesses is chocolate chip cookies. And I found a paleo chocolate chip cookie Yay! recipe a few weeks ago. And now when I'm craving a cookie, I've only made it a few times because, because I'm eating so much better. I'm not just binging and craving as many junk foods. Like I want healthy food because it makes my body feel so good, so much better. Mm -hmm. But still, there are so many alternatives out there. So you can still eat, not necessarily the same foods, Mm -hmm. but similar foods. You know, you can still make something like there's- Totally. Monk fruit sweetener and coconut sugar and- well, and the beauty about these too is that they have more fiber, so you fill up faster. Right. When you eat normal cookies, like because of all the fructose in it, it doesn't fill you up. So you can eat more and more of it and like not feel full. And so, that makes sense. but when you do the paleo, you're like, you're like, oh, I'm satiated. Yay. Yeah. And you can, I mean, I think too, if you haven't gotten to the point where you are eating better, you can take it a step at a time. Mm-hmm. It's like I tell people all the time, when they, 
you know, are not feeling good and, you know, wanting answers, I try to encourage them to, first of all, go see you. (laughs) (laughs) And if they're not local, then to follow you on Instagram. (laughs) You're so wonderful. (laughs) Thanks, Amanda. Well, I want other people's lives to be changed the way that my life has been changed through you guys. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I encourage people to, you know, cut out bread first and like mm-hmm. for a hamburger or taco, use a lettuce wrap instead. Yeah. And, you know, just go like one step at a time. Yeah. It's about momentum, right? Yes. You, you, this, everything in health it is really about momentum. Drastic change. No, no, we don't, we don't do something one day and that either makes us healthy or unhealthy. It's right. a buildup of many, many choices yeah. over time. Yeah. And it gets easier to make a choice the more you make that yeah. choice. And I'm still a believer in having tasty food, but totally. my, my mindset has shifted so much. Like before mm-hmm. I used to think this is fine and I can eat how much of I however much of it that I want to. Mm-hmm. And as long as I'm enjoying it and it's tasty. Like everything's fine. Like I hadn't, yeah, mm-hmm. I had literally had no preoccupations when it came to eating beforehand. Yeah. But now I know, you know, maybe I can have like a bite of something here and there. Right. Or like a, a roll from Texas Roadhouse and <laughs> I'm enjoying it, but it's not something I'm going to eat every day. And yeah. I'm still eating, you know, healthy mm-hmm. proteins and healthy fats and yeah. vegetables. And it's like the 90-10 rule, right? Like yeah. 90% on and then the 10% fun. Because I would Dude. go crazy if I, if I could never yeah. eat a treat. And I don't All of think, us would. Yeah. It's like the forbidden fruit, right? It's like like things that are forbidden are way more appealing. But the know? difference is yes. that now that's an occasional thing, yeah. mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. the staple. And day to day, when you're eating better, like, yeah, it's, it's a hard change, I think, for some people. And it can be really overwhelming when mm-hmm. you really sit and think about it. But mm-hmm. once you get started and you have that momentum and you've got a plan yeah. and you know, you've know you slowly in- implemented this into your life, mm-hmm. um, you, I think, I don't know, for me, like I feel so much better that that's, that's what I want. Like yeah. I'm happier and I don't want to go back to the way I was eating before. Yeah. Like I, I miss some things, but yeah. I mean, there's like but no no food is worth your mental well being. No yes. food is worth you having a healthy relationship with your husband and with your son, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's just not worth it. And speaking of my relationship with my son too, I I would have no energy to play with him either. Right? Like he would just play on his own all the time, mm-hmm. or I and not just like interacting with him and playing with him, but like taking care of him and having the energy to keep up with him from the beginning of the day to the end, like. Yeah taking care of another human being is so exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so why would you want to like totally get yourself even more tired, mm-hmm. you know? And on that note, I would also want to point out that we get a lot of pictures of Amanda's oh son my gosh, he's eating, eating healthy all the vegetables food. all the so, time and the smoothies oh, and the salad. So you, you are doing <laughs> such a wonderful service for him by yeah. helping him establish this foundation of healthy eating mm-hmm. while he is still so young. So for your listeners out there, so with our membership, you, we have a big Voxer group and we ha- now have the Facebook group, but we share like, like, success stories. And Amanda will occasionally post pictures of her son (laughs) eating all these healthy veggies. And I love it because everyone else can see that. And you're modeling for the other mothers out there on the group, like this can be done, you know, and, and it can, and sometimes it's frustrating, but it's, it's doable. Yeah. He's so funny. Sometimes he'll be hungry when we're grocery shopping. Cause you know, we go and get groceries yeah. every weekend and he'll just like pick up like fresh broccoli. Oh, that's so <laughs> amazing. 
wish my kids I, did that. I know. <laughs> not that I eat fresh that. broccoli, but <laughs> so I like, amazing. I know. He'll just go and, you know, yeah. and he, he has very little problem with veggies. And if, amazing, if he does, um, we just keep on giving it to him mm-hmm. because I really do yep. believe in exposure therapy that you talk about so much. So mm-hmm. if your kid doesn't want to eat yeah. that particular vegetable or healthy food, just yep. keep on putting it on their plate. And that's, that's helped us so much. Like I've just kept on giving him the same things and now awesome. he, he enjoys it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he oddly enough doesn't like sweet potatoes. I realize what that, I realize I don't on either. Saturday. I love, I love, sweet I, potatoes. I love them. <laughs> and sweet potato fries. I know. Oh man. I love them. They're the best. <laughs> Overall still he eats. He's a really good eater. And That's I, good. and I really want him to grow up with understanding that. Yes. And just like without all the problems that I grew up with, you know, I want him to grow up eating well and having energy and, you know, and a functioning immune system and no allergies and eczema. We we talked about the genetic component here, right? And Mm -hmm. if it was genetic for you, there's a good chance it's genetic for him. Plus whatever genetic weaknesses his father might've passed on to him. And you are preventing that from becoming his destiny. Yep. Oh which is gosh, so yes. awesome. He's not so going to have true. to go through so much of what you've gone through because he's getting yep. the B vitamins that his brain needs and the melatonin and the <laughs> magnesium and all of that. And exactly. that's that's a beautiful thing, right? It that really you is. are changing his future for the better. I love yeah. that. That's I have, my goal. I have one more question and I don't, I don't want to go into it too deep because we're sort of getting to the end of our time, but I think it's a really important piece. And that is, has exercise played a role in this process for you? I could cry right now when I answer this because yes, it has. So I was telling someone the other day how I wasn't exercising Mm -hmm. because I didn't have the energy and I didn't have the energy because I wasn't eating well. Yeah. And because I started eating better, I now have the desire to just be healthier overall. Mm -hmm. And now I, I do have the energy to exercise. And so I've made it a goal to go and work out at least four to five times a week. And mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, I used to just dread working out and would do it, you know, for like a week at a time and I'd stop. Like I was so inconsistent, but now I just so badly want to be as healthy as I can in every way. And I love exercising. It makes me feel so good. And it's such, you know, such a natural high, I guess. Yes. It's so therapeutic. And I Isn't that so beautiful? A natural high. Mm-hmm. Like food, exercise, everything you can control. Like you're giving that to yourself. Oh, Isn't that amazing? And speaking of control, sorry, I wanted to say one more thing about food that now when I'm like, you know, making the decision of what to eat, I have control. And before I I was controlled by my taste buds and just my addiction, my addiction. Yes. Yes. Controlled by my addiction. Exactly. And I just would eat whatever. And now, now, even if I want something that's not super healthy, I usually make a better choice or I just make something like that's an alternative. Mm -hmm. Um, Exactly. Because, because you've come up with so many amazing recipes that I can still have something yummy. Yeah but have like, like the peaches and cream recipe. And that's so good. It's so good. <laughs> and it's like one of my favorite things, one mm-hmm. of my favorite treats and it's giving so my fast. body nutrients. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I'm getting like good things. So anyways, about exercise, um, it's helped so much. Good. And I think everyone, when now, 
I said before that, you know, I was taught that drugs and therapy go hand in hand till depression. And now I'm a huge believer and advocate that exercise and nutrition can heal so much more than just depression and just the problems that I might have faced and, you know, my, my history. I think, I don't think there's a single person out there that, you know, wouldn't benefit from healing foods and taking care of themselves better. And honestly, I just want everyone, especially my loved ones, um, to just do it, you know, Mm -hmm. to take care of themselves to find the happiness and the healing that I have because there's hope out there. Um, And if you are experiencing depression and anxiety and maybe postpartum um, psychological issues, there's hope out there. And, you know, maybe sometimes you do need to go to the doctor and Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if I would be here if I didn't have the medication I did at the time. So there is a place for doctors. Um, And I was just about to say that. Yeah. Yes. But that doesn't have to be your whole life. And maybe you can make some small changes and to Mm. eventually reach the point where you don't have to have that as a crutch, Yeah, you know, to, to heal yourself and to, to take back your power which you encourage all the time, you know, yeah. you teach and practice. Yeah. And there's there's so many things out there you can do to feel better, but mm-hmm. the answer is really simple. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You guys, if you're listening out there, I hope, uh, and your story sounds a lot like Amanda's, I hope that she has given you the courage to... Um, to really take matters into your own hands and to research and educate yourselves. And um, like we just finished off here, like there is a time and a place for medication. Please do not feel like we are trying to bash, bash medications. If anything, we have an issue with the the lack of education mm-hmm. around the medications. Um and ask questions. Ask a lot of questions. And do your own research. Mm-hmm. Yes. And use those medications, but also use nutrition. Use every tool in your toolbox mm-hmm. to better your body so that, you know, maybe someday you don't have to be on them anymore and you can work with your doctor to wean yourself off of it so that you you can be fully present for yourself, for your family, for your kids. Um, and that's it. Please don't feel like you are a failure because things are not working. Please don't feel like you are failing because you have to use medication. Please don't ever feel like we are telling you that. I promise you we're not. There is zero judgment from us. Um, We just want to let you know that you have so much more power than you realize. So much more. And it doesn't have to be an all or nothing situation, right? If Amanda's story teaches us anything, it's that we can do one thing today that's going to make it easier for us to do the second thing tomorrow, right? So just start where you can start. You One thing at a time. Yep. If you want to know more about the Gutsy Health program, go to www.mygutsyhealth.com. Um, that's what Amanda's been referring to all the time. She was like one of the first people that signed up actually. Like I need to applaud Amanda. And I, I've been saying this over and over. Like she just jumps in. She just does it. She just works so hard for her healing. And you can see that and you can hear it. And I just, thank you. You're welcome. I was just so excited for the program because it simplifies things so much. I have a meal prep guide, so I know exactly what I need to prepare for the week so that I'm ready. And it tells mm-hmm. me, you know, what foods to buy and eat. And 
it's it's just so amazing. It really handholds you through the process, and I think everyone in this world <laughs> needs to needs to look into it and try it. Did it help make shifting your lifestyle less daunting? Yes, that's awesome. what I wanted to say too. Yeah, awesome. for sure. Because I remember, and I've, I've mentioned this before in the podcast, like when Tristan was diagnosed with cancer, like my mother-in-law flew out and helped me. But when she left, I felt like I was drowning and I didn't know what to do. And I remember thinking, there's got to be a program out there that handholds me through this. Because you can go right now and download apps that give you a million recipes, right? But it's the decision fatigue. You're like, well, what do I do first? And where's my grocery list? And do I even know that this will be good or not? And how do I know this is really, really good for me? You know. And yeah. um, so I'm glad that you experienced that. That's why I created this program so that people don't have to second guess themselves. They just follow through and that they have someone like Tristan and I coaching them along the way. And, you know, they can check in with us and be like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Um, we, we currently have someone who has really bad histamine intolerances. And, um, and so we've had to help her tweak it a lot. You know what I mean? But the, but the bottom line is she now knows how to tweak it. She now knows what the problem is. And, she, you know, she's empowered with those tools and she's seeing incredible results. And it's just been so beautiful to see so many people along their healing journey figure this out. And so, Amanda, thank you for sharing so, so much. Thank you for um, being vulnerable enough to share your journey with us. I know it's, it, it's, it's hard to go back and retell a story like that. Yeah, it's very personal. And I've been through so many hard things, but I just wish I didn't spend so much time without solutions. Yeah. And I wish I had them sooner, but you know, I had them now mm -hmm. and I'm so incredibly grateful and so happy. Like, now I know what to do to take care of my body. Yeah. Seriously, you guys, it's it's so much more simple than you think. Mm -hmm. And I promise you, you may not think of it now because maybe you're enjoying your bag of Cheetos and your Dr. <laughs> Pepper a little too much or donuts and pizza, <laughs> whatever it may be. Um, and I, I get it. Those foods are, are tasting, you know, you've grown mm -hmm. up thinking that that's just fine. Mm -hmm. Um but that's chasing the temporary high yeah. versus the long-term high. And you will find so much more peace and happiness and power mm -hmm. in taking yeah. care of yourself and eating well and yes. healing. Thank it's thank possible. It is. Thank you, Amanda. You're welcome. And thank you guys for listening in. Um, anything else from you, Tristan? That's it. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Amanda. Yes. Welcome. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye.